the Doctor and Vicky welcome aboard Stephen, a new member of the crew. They quickly arrive in the year 1066 on the eve of a Viking invasion where a mysterious monk is present and trying to meddle with the course of history. Can the Doctor outmaneuver this meddling monk or will history be changed forever? This is the Time Meddler. Welcome to Regenerated. Timeship. Oh, so that's it, eh? This horrible block of stone. This <laughs> horrible block of stone, as you call it, is a perfect Saxon sarcophagus. A Saxon what? Sarcophagus. Yes, quite so. And more in keeping with the period, I would say, than a modern police box. <laughs> What's the matter, Doctor? Can't you repair your camouflage? Now, now, now. Don't try and bamboozle me. It so happens that your machine fits into this monastery, but it's sheer duck. Luck? Hmm? Luck? Oh, no, there's no luck about it. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Regenerated. My name is Matt, and I'm joined by a very poorly Becky. Yeah, full of cold, as yeah. usual. So she's a little bit sniffly, so you have to just bear with us. We are sort of ploughing through. Hey, don't be snivelly me. I've got my sexy Phoebe Buffet voice on, so chill well, out. that's what you think, anyway. I sound awesome still. Shut up. And welcome to episode, I think this is, what, 17? I think it is. Um, I don't know. You're counting them, I ain't. <laughs> well, I've lost count. We've been doing it for quite a while now. But all I know is well, this... yeah, for a month. All I know is this is the last serial of season two. This one is the Time Meddler. And just quickly before we go in, social media, as I say, it's all in the description. And also there's a few more things on the Teesprings merchandise page now. There's uh, some cups, uh, posters, hoodies... T-shirts, posters, stickers. There's quite a lot on there now with the regenerated Pet logo hoodies. on it. Yep. So you just have to check that out. And again, that will be... you still need to get one for our dog. I know, and I'm in the process of trying to secure one. Yeah, but she'll look cute. And they'll be in the description. So, like I said, this one is the time meddler for episodes. Just don't put the hood up on her though, because she won't like it. Well, yeah. We tried that with the Halloween costume, if you remember. When I had sp- mm. The one that had spines on, and she went mental. We will have to see if we can get a Doctor Who one. <laughs> anyway, th- th- say this one is Time Meddler, four episodes, 3rd of July, 65, to the 24th of July, 65. Now, quickly, I do normally do the poll at the end, but I think I'm going to do it at the beginning in the f- uh, anniversary poll out of 241 episodes. This one came in at 77, so it's quite high on the list. So this one was uh, directed by a Douglas Camfield, and he was the person who directed uh, The Planet of Giants and The Crusade. And this one is written by Dennis Spooner, Spooner. Yeah, who did The Reign of Terror, The Romans, and so he's done a lot of the historical Spooner. pieces, and he continues that with this one here. So Spoony, uh, Spoony, I think Spoony, quickly Spoony. before we sort of get into sort of a quick rundown of the episode, we'll talk about Peter Butterworth. He played the monk in the story. Uh, he's his hair looks stupid. Well, 
I would say that he's probably more sort of famous for being in the Carry On films. Well, yeah. The Carry On films actually came after this performance, which is, is a little bit of a, a bit of trivia for you. I think a lot of people would probably think that he was in the Carry Ons before this, but actually he wasn't. He was in them after this. And he died at the age of 63 of a heart attack in 1979. And I think he did a quite good performance here. We'll get into his performance uh, through the course of the episode. The only, I think the only thing I seem to remember Peter Butterworth for is, and um, Carry On films is the one where he plays the sort of guy in Carry On Camp and he tries to let him on the campsite. Mr. Fiddler, I think that's the, the title of the character. Yeah, well, he was fiddling everyone, mm. even with people's backsides. Yeah, so <laughs> well, yeah, so we'll get on to his performance throughout the course of the episode, especially his sort of interactions with William Hartnell as well. I think they are kind of a shining moment in this uh, serial. But the first episode, The Watcher, started off in the TARDIS post-Ian and Barbara leaving. Remember from The Chase, they actually decided that it was time for them to leave. And so now the Doctor again reeling from the loss of... Them two, and yeah. also Susan as well. So it's like first Susan leaves me, then them two leave me, throwing himself a pea pie. And then he asks Vicky, Vicky if she feels like she wants to leave him yet. But I don't think throwing Vicky's, himself a pity pie. I don't think uh, Vicky's going anywhere at the moment. Well, seeing so her family got killed, I don't think so. No, but they they sort of hear a, a sort of rattling in the TARDIS. They obviously somebody's on board only for it to turn out to be Stephen from the last episode as well. And I kind of wanted to spoil that last episode, but I kind of held back a little bit. But it was kind of a bit obvious, really, that they were kind of introducing a new uh, companion there with him, especially after, you know, that Ian and Barbara left. They've already done a little bit of the sort of background work there with Stephen's character. But obviously now, through the course of the story and at the end, he does join the crew, so... Yeah, but it's funny how when they when they say about getting him a change of clothes, he ends up in the same polar neck as Ian, ends up with the same hairstyle as Ian, and they get rid of his beard and make him clean shaven like Ian, and it just looks like they're trying to make an Ian clone. Well, yeah, basically. But you got to think if uh, they've only got Ian's clothes on board, what are you going to give a male companion? You're going to give him Ian's clothes, aren't you? Yeah, but the problem is, Ian went and left in his own clothes. Also, this is the first... And um, the Doctor has multiple wardrobes. This is the first reiteration of a three-man crew now. So the or, doctor... or did you forget that when they actually went on board in Unearthly Child, that he didn't bring a suitcase with him? Well, no, but he's picked up the course, some clothes through the course of the journeys and... You've already yeah, seen Barbara make clothes as well for Vicky, so maybe she made TARDIS him some. Wardrobe. Yeah, or maybe she made him some clothes. Barbara yeah, but we made all know clothes. about the TARDIS wardrobe. Anyway, moving on. Like I said, this is the first iteration of a, a three-man crew. Yeah, hold on, right? This is really bugging me now because if a TARDIS has got a wardrobe, how come the Doctor never changes his clothes? Well, he does. He goes to on the adventures and he does change his clothes, but he, li- he likes what he likes, Becky. Yeah, but have you ever heard of a washing machine? Yeah, but through the course of Doctor Who and the future serials, the Doctor rarely changes his outfit anyway. Washing machine? So they do kind of keep that look throughout the whole... Yeah, but if he's running around, like that sort of thing, running away from Daleks and things like that, he's going to get sweaty, which means clothes are going to need washing. Well, maybe he's just got a wardrobe with like endless suits in it, the same thing. Well, like Bart Simpson in his same shirts and shorts everywhere. So... 
Yep. So, like I was saying, this is the first reiteration of a three-man crew. So the Doctor, two companions. To me, again, this is what I've been saying through the course of the, the episodes. I think it works a lot better. They don't really have to write one out and put them in a, in a, in a sort of cell or uh, have them kidnapped or whatever. To me, it kind of works having that three-man crew. And so we'll go into that a little bit like further and deeper through the course of the episodes. Stephen is a non-believer. He doesn't really believe that it's his time machine, that you know they go into <sighs> through space and time. He doesn't really believe it. And that's the course of the whole serial is sort of them trying to convince him that they're actually in a time machine and that they can actually travel through space and time. The TARDIS material... Yeah, but then if it could, if you're going to try and convince someone you can travel through space and time, why the hell would you pick planet Earth to land on? Go a Jupiter or something. Yeah, but it's not it's not down to them, is it? It's kind of just down to the TARDIS because whenever they go to the console, it's always, oh, well, we've arrived here or we've come here. Or that. They don't really know where they're going from yeah, time to time. eventually they do. Well, yes, but... As the series go on, Well, yeah, but at the minute, there is that little bit of sort of... Uh, I think Vicky says about, you know, it needs repair in this sort of time circuit sort of device because they can just end up anywhere. And so that is one of the sort of staples of Doctor Who in the beginning is that actually he doesn't really have a control of this TARDIS. The TARDIS kind of controls him and kind of where they've got to go. I think it becomes more and more of a kind of like... There's a moment in time that needs the Doctor, then the TARDIS sort of goes there. Yeah. I think that becomes more and more of the sort of the thread of the story. But anyway, they materialise, like Vicky says, on Earth. They go out onto this uh, beach where Vicky finds a Viking helmet. Again, Stephen's not really believing it. He thinks this is a costume. And then Vicky decides, I want to go off and explore, which, again, <laughs> it's always the most uh, sort of, uh, not the most clever thing to do in these stories, but... Obviously, we wouldn't have a story, but she wants to go off and explore. Then Everyone always wants to go off to explore. One of these days, they'll fi- figure out, actually, this might be a bit dangerous. Let's take something just in case. Well, I think sometimes they, they enjoy the sort of uh, spontaneity of what they could come across. That's the way to sort of explain it. Anyway, Vicky and Stephen, they're discussing the sort of design of the yeah, TARDIS. There's no spontaneity if people are trying to kill them. Well, there is, isn't there? Nope. Well. Anyway, Vicky and Stephen are discussing the sort of design of the TARDIS, obviously it being a police box, and we throw back to that, The what later becomes the chameleon circuit is obviously broken, so it doesn't actually take the form of what it should do, like it should be a rock or something on the beach, or a dune on the on the beach, a sand dune, or something like that, instead it's just broken no, as a police box. maybe a bit small to be a sand dune. What's that? It might be a bit small to be a sand dune. Well, we will get into... Um, TARDIS and Maybe sizes. Into the cliff face or something. We will get into TARDIS sizes and uh, sort of how it changes and adapts its um, look to the um, the environment a little bit later on. As they're discussing this, we see that there is a monk sort of listening in. Eni also was there when they materialised as well. He actually saw them um, from the top of the cliff. Yep. So the Doctor leaves Vicky and Stephen to go off and explore and find a sort of route for them to go and then he'd come back for them. But Stephen in his sort of, you know, I want to go off and explore and Vicky and her, I want to go off and explore. They decide that they'll just climb up the cliff face and find their own route. When they leave, the monk then I goes... I think it was the fact they said they meet the doctor at the top, but then he went a different direction. Well, yeah, basically. But 
they obviously are a bit overzealous. They just want to get on with it, basically. Well, yeah. He did ask them to stay at the TARDIS. They didn't. Anyway, the monk then sort of goes to look at this TARDIS while everyone else has gone off on their own sort of path. And then he decides to look at his arm. So it's obviously he's missing something. Well, obviously, if you're going to look at your arm, it's a it's a watch, isn't it? You know, you've lost a watch or a ba- bracelet or something like that. But also, you know, so there's always they're already sort of planting the sort of seed that maybe this monk's not what he uh, appears to be. The doctor gets to the top of the cliff face and he walks into a Saxon villager's camp. Well, Ooh. it is a village. That's what I said. They said it's a village. They didn't say the villagers camp. It's a village. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, but to me, it's not really a village. It's kind of one shack and a campfire. Yeah, but they're, they're it, Saxon times. What do you expect? It, to me, that's more of a camp. But Yeah, but what do you expect? Saxons didn't exactly build fucking brick houses. Well, no. The villagers have all gone off searching. I can't really... I can't remember... It's 24 hours since we've actually watched this, so some of the little details are out of my head, but I can't remember what they can actually go searching for. But they did actually go off searching for. The Doctor's obviously exploring the camp. I think they went searching for the Doctor. Well, maybe. I, I can't really remember. But anyway, the Doctor searches the camp, only to turn around and get this sort of uh, fork prong thing at the neck. And then it cuts to the monk, who he is uh, going into a monastery. We find out who, who it was who actually captured the Doctor. It was one of the sort of lady Saxons uh, who's called Edith. She was uh, giving the Doctor some mead and a horn, giving a little bit of the sort of background um, to sort of where they are and, you know, what period in time they're at. Now, if Harold is king and Edward was laid to rest at the beginning of the year, then it must be 1066. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Judging by the appearance of these leaves, late summer. Mm. And a balmy night, a balmy night. <laughs> oh, thank you, my dear. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I, you know, it's a bit stupid of me, but uh, we are in uh, Northumbria. Mm? Yes, of course we are. Why do you ask? No, oh, nothing, nothing. I, I, just that I wasn't sure whether I'd crossed the border or not. Yes, it's a bit uh, tedious of me, isn't it? Yes. You must have patience with an old man. <laughs> and uh, then we uh, hear some sort of monks singing in the background, obviously from the monastery. And there's a little bit of a sort of uh, a warp on the um, the sort of well, we're not, we're not to know at that time. But it's a record but player. It's a record player, so it sort of skips and sort of warps. So that's sort of the doctor's obviously listening. He can hear that. We find out that they are actually in 1066 and the doctor gets to stretch his history knowledge and then there's a little bit of a oh well if Barbara was here she'd like it here sort of thing so obviously another sort of uh, inkling that he's missing Barbara and Ian so the doctor upon hearing this uh, record sort of distorting inquires about the monastery and that we get find out that there were monks here but they disappeared except for one monk again the monk that we keep seeing Stephen and Vicky, they're obviously uh, trying to find their own route. They get lost, only to have to hide because this is someone who approaches uh, approaches them. He finds something in the sort of the undergrowth, picks it up. Stephen, in his wisdom, decides I'm going to attack this gentleman for no reason whatsoever. Really, I think it's 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 quite a funny scene. I think scene. that plant had a bit too much to do with trying to rattle his brain. Well, yeah, he sort of sees the man pick something up, 
decides to attack him, even though it could be a stone or a stick or something like that, you know, he just attacks him for whatever. He wrestles him to the ground and he ends up getting this item off him. The man then manages to get escape and we find out that actually it's a, a watch. So again, this must be what the monk is looking for when he keeps looking at his wrist. The doctor gets to the monastery. It's like a bit of a galley watch, to be honest. Yeah, to be honest, it just looks like a normal Rolex watch. Like a proper normal watch. A Rolex ain't a normal watch. But again, also that sort of um, thing, flags. What's a watch like that doing in 1066? The light bulb should be going on. Seeing though, in 1066, I didn't even know... Pretty, only pretty much knew what time of day it was by where the sun was. Well, that's it. Anyway, there's uh, alarm bells ringing. Didn't you ever learn to tell the time by the sun? Well, no. I did when I was a kid. No, because we have watches. And really? Digital or... Yeah, but my granddad clockwork. taught me to tell the time by the sun because that's what he used to do when he was in the army. Well, I don't need to do that. I have digital... I have digital and technology well, I didn't to tell me to, but that was good to do something with him but anyway the doctor arrives at the monastery he tries the door it doesn't open the monk then opens it the doctor tries it again he goes inside the doctor then finds the gramophone only for this he um, takes the uh, the needle off the record only for this cage door to trap him in the cage as the monk laughs yeah, that, looks on. A, that looked a bit flimsy though you could easily gather so that is the first episode. Going forward, um, we're going to go through each episode and we're going to share our initial thoughts on each episode now and, st- and obviously the serial as a whole. But what did you think of the first episode, Becky, as a sort of a starting point in the story? I thought the monk was a bit weird. Well, that that is the point, though, Becky, as we, we come creepy. to know. He obviously... A bit creepy. As you sort of watch it. Not like sort of horror creepy, but sort of like stalk creepy. I think the initial pace of this first episode is a nice little setup. Yeah, it, was, I think it, it, it didn't drag. It didn't go too quick. It was just sort of just the right pacing. But I think it's a nice little introduction as well. He's got a little like bit of error of mystery in it. Sorry, I just don't like the Ian clone. Well, he's going to be I there for a little while. I would have preferred if he sort of had his own sort of if he still had his beard and. The personality and things like that of his own, rather than wearing someone else's attire. Well, he has and only been like in. He has only been in two episodes, so he hasn't obviously found the character yet. They're trying to develop the character, and character development can take a little time. You know, the the trouble is with the sort of. He comp- seems to like it's like every time they try and tell him stuff, and he just want to do something else, and that's really irritating. The trouble is. With it's like talk, you know, they know what they're talking about. They've done it a million times before, but you seem to think you know better. The trouble is with um, companions is that they can be. They, they've got, especially in the earlier ones, they've got a sort of shoes to fill. They have a they have a role to fill. So Vicky's the kind of you know the teenager. Um, Susan, yeah, yep, yeah, and um, sort of damsel in distress type character. You know, Ian, Ian and now Stephen are kind of so like now, the man of action. So now, are they going to get a Barbara clone? Maybe, we don't because know yet. now, I'm like, well, you've got a Susan clone. You've got an Ian clone. Where's the Barbara clone? Well, maybe they might be coming in the next Although, story. But... are they going to basically maybe have someone with that beehive? Mm, well, it is still the 60s, so <laughs> probably... As a, first, as a first initial uh, episode to start off the serial, I think it had a nice, like say, nice pace and a little bit of intrigue to keep you going. Uh, next episode, episode two, The Meddling Monk. So it's kind of give it 
it's a little bit of a giveaway in the title there. Um, the monk is uh, making breakfast. He's got a modern day toaster. He's doing bacon, eggs, all in the trimmings. Pan. Yep, in a frying pan. So he's got a bit of modern day technology. He's making breakfast for the doctor. He sort of opens the door sort of gingerly to sort of poke it in there, only for then the doctor to sort of grab the, what I'm guessing would be either orange juice or water. He can't really tell on the black and white, but he sort of throws it through the door on the monks in a bit of a comedic fashion there. The villagers then find Vicky and Stephen and end up capturing them. The monk is uh, on the cliff uh, edge. He's kind of like waiting. He's, um, I think this is the bit where he has some binoculars and he's sort of looking out to sea and he stumbles upon a Viking ship coming in. Vicky and Stephen are then taken to this uh, Saxon village. Vicky, I thought she acted a little bit grown up here. She's not really sort of um, as whiny as, 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 to use your words, Becky, as whiny as what she would normally be. She's kind of... You mean as whiny as what Susan was? Well, yeah, but she's kind of grown up. She sort of took a bit of the control here away from Stephen to sort of say, you know, basically... and in a roundabout word, you know, man up, you know, and it's nice to see because that's, a, again, you know, it's that character development and I like a little bit of character development and they kind of made her like a bit of a stronger willed sort of character. She's sort of saying, you know, let go and they're given food and she asks about the doctor and they mention that he's gone to the monastery. Vikings then come ashore and it's kind of like a scout party for a bigger invasion because obviously 1066, how's your 1066 history, Becky? Better than yours. Well, why don't you tell the listeners? What period of time are they in? 1066, you just said. Well done, you've got the first question right, Becky. Especially when I give you the answer. No, you just said it. Obviously they're in Saxon uh, times, Anglo-Saxons and Vikings. Um, Vikings tended to invade quite a lot with regards to Saxons and pillage quite a lot, attack women and pretty much anyone. But the problem is, is obviously the time meddler wanted to change history. Well, you're jumping on a bit there in the story. I was going to get yeah, to that in a but minute. But the original plot of 1066. Well, that's was what that I was asking, Becky. The Vikings ended up coming in sort of near towards sort of Hull area. To invade, which drew King Harold's attention away from um, William the Conqueror trying to invade as well. By the time he got to William the Conqueror, he'd had plenty of desertions, plenty of people that had been injured or killed, so he didn't have the manpower to defeat William the Conqueror. Hey presto, arrow in the face, dead. End of. So basically, there's a Viking invasion coming in, just to sum that up. That's where we're up to. Anyway, but they're in Northumbria, so which is pretty much Northumberland. Well, they can't which get which is well a lot higher up than they can't get everything right. I'm trying to think: is it higher up or further down? Well, I don't know. I'd have to look at a map. There is this Viking invasion coming in, and obviously the monk wants to change the course of history. But got a we'll get on to higher than Hull. We'll we'll get on to why he wants to do it, uh, or why he's sort of meddling. Try to speed up things. Vicky and Ian, they end up going to the monastery. They knock on the door. The monk has to answer. They're asking him questions, obviously, about the doctor and all this and the other. He is deflecting these questions because, obviously, he's got him holding a cell. Only for then him to say, well, I'll go and ask the other monks if they've seen him. Vicky and Stephen then come up with this plot, this plan, and says to Vicky, you know, follow my lead. Don't say anything. 
The monk then comes back out and says, no. They said, well, you know, if you see him, then, you know, let us know. You've got the description. Only for the monk then to trip up by giving the description of the doctor, for which Stephen and Vicky never gave him that description. So they've sort of tricked him there. When he comes out again, I'm going to try something. So whatever happens, don't say a word. Nothing. Okay? Okay. I apologise for keeping you waiting. That's quite all right. I'm afraid the answer is not the one you'd wish to hear. I hadn't seen him. I'm sorry. Oh, well, uh, perhaps you'd keep a lookout for him? Oh, I certainly will, yes. Are you sure you'll remember his description? Description? Uh, let me see. Was it? Long white hair, a black cloak, and rather strange check. That's it. You've got it. Fine. Thanks. Not Thanks a... very much indeed. You're very welcome, my son. I'm sorry I couldn't have done more. That's Good quite... day. Good day. So no Fawley Seaman. Basically, yep. And Stephen is uh, very, very uh, sort of knowledgeable here because he instantly says he's got the doctor locked up in there, in a cell. And I thought that was very clever of Stephen. Yeah, but the thing is, it kind of seems obvious because if it was innocent, he would have said, yeah, I've seen him, right? And he's very and sharp he's, as well. And not only that, it's like, well, if you've got someone prisoner, you're going to try and make out that they you haven't seen him, you don't know anything about him. So when he kind of gives him the description and says, right, well, this is what he, you know, he looks like, and they know full well they didn't give him one anyway, they could be like, well, yeah, we definitely know he's got him. Well, yeah, that's basically it's what they've done. Obvious. They just tricked him. Anyway, Stephen wants to sort of break in, and they want to come back at night. The village is then invaded by these Vikings. They knock Edith out while the other Saxons are off in the fields. They come back. They have this uh, sort of a brawl with the Vikings. There's, the Vikings then retreat to uh, the beach, and the villagers then retreat to the monastery. And um, I can't remember what his name is. Well, actually, El, they, do, they, El don't, they don't is retreat. El... They don't retreat to the monastery. They basically say about taking the Eldred back to camp because he's been wounded and he was bleeding out. But they said, well, they can't because it's too far away and the monastery's closer. There we go. See, that's why. That's why you're there, Becky. Because I you... know. You spot these little things and I miswrite things or whatever. You correct them. So thank you for that one. Uh, Vicky and Stephen then sneak inside this monastery. The the monk is setting up his little trap again with the gramophone. I swear you only do it to make sure I've paid attention more well, than likely. Damn, you grumbled me. But yeah, Vicky and Stephen, they're looking obviously for the doctor as the monk is hiding in the corridors. They stumble across this gramophone, um, but this time they don't take the needle off. It looks like they're a bit smarter than the doctor, but, you know, they, so they sort of uh, leave it be and uh, they find the doctor's cell. They go inside. Meanwhile, the Saxons are knocking on the door for the monk who has to let them in. Vicky and Stephen are in the cell, but there is no doctor. It's just a bundle of hay with a blanket over, and that's the end of the second episode. So, what do you think of the second episode, Becky? Do you think the pace is sort of um, still sure. still good? Well, that hair, that fur, or whatever it was, was looked a bit straggly. Well, yeah, but it would be sort of animal fur, I would think. Maybe wool, sheep, a sheared well, sheep, possibly. I think the pacing, I think the pacing, again, I don't think there's much to the second episode, but I think that's the beauty of it, because it doesn't drag. Yeah. I find the episodes that, 
episodes that don't contain too much sort of plot tend to sort of they sort of know, have a nice little pace so you know it is sort of there's a few more questions been answered obviously the monk is not from that time because of all the like the modern technology he seems to have and obviously there's a little bit more um sort of intention from him about being there obviously like trying to watch for the vikings and stuff like that but yeah i think they're still going it's still got a nice little pace and there's still like again there's still that air of mystery there about what actually is happening here but again the story's rolling on really quite well we go on to episode three which is called battle of wits this is a funny title because to be fair there's not really much wit in this one like they don't really have this like sort of bouncing off each other sort of game of wills here no it's more of basically the doctor saying right well um i beat you end of yeah and it's not very difficult let's just say that anyway Vicky and Stephen are in the cell. They're trying to work yeah, out. But if how... he was a time, if he's a time meddler, and he's smart enough, you'd think actually he'd be able to outwit the Doctor. But clearly, he's an idiot. Well, we'll get on to the character of um, what they come to call the time meddler or the meddler monk um, in a bit, and I'll give my sort of thoughts about what I think of the character in the next episode. But like I say. They're in that cell. Um, they're trying to figure out how the Doctor sort of got out and they stumble across a secret sort of passage um, stone door which they then go through to try to find the Doctor. The monk um, then goes into the cell only to discover it empty and the Doctor's gone. The Doctor then ends up back at the village. He's informed about the Vikings. The Doctor then tells Edith about the invasion. You speak of a fleet as though you knew it existed. What? What was that? I've already told you, my dear, that I've learned of varied plans from all the places that I've visited before. Plans of a Viking invasion? Yes, yes, I'm afraid so. So that's why Harold Godwinson Stroke are forming an army. And men have travelled south already to join it. I, I thought it was William of Normandy's invasion across the Channel. Not a Viking invasion, he feared. Yes, the monk in this situation just can't be a coincidence. The monk? Did you say the monk? Yes, I would face him. I uh, realise that I've got a far shorter time than I thought I had. He actually tells her about all the history of 1066 and what's going to happen with, um, was it King Harold and you know the Viking invasion? Again, Harold. Harold, sorry. And to be well, fair... Conqueror, yep, to be fair... But the problem is, you're well, going to basically cause an issue there because you're telling a Saxon... All what's going to happen in the future, they're going to basically, you know, most people, if they knew the future in those sort of times, they'd ridicule them and grant them as a heretic and things like that. The thing is, is that throughout the whole of the last series and a little bit into this one, the Doctor's been telling about history, don't change history, you can't change history, all this, that and the other. Then don't and tell now, someone the and future! Now he's, he's now completely and utterly like, disregarded his own rules and he's told the Saxons about the Viking invasion, giving them a leg up. So and they are not kind o- of... Not only that, about the fact of, you know... <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, you shouldn't be telling people the future. Hmm. If you've got a rule against leaving time alone, then stop messing with it. Well, they've now changed to sort of that plot point. Obviously, maybe the writers thought that was a bit of a, a, a sort of a box to be in. You know, and the point of Doctor Who, as we come to later know, is that you can actually change history and sometimes it's for the better or sometimes it's for the worst. So they're kind of 
maybe got themselves out of that box there because they probably thought when they were writing these episodes, it's a bit of a there's a bit of a Debbie Downer having that sort of that plot point that you can't change history when it's a history program. So they probably just writ that there that he can now change history. So Stephen and Vicky they call out of the passageway. Then Stephen then accepts that they have a time machine. The monk then tends to the Saxon's wounds with penicillin, which. Which is funny because he gives him penicillin pills, which wouldn't even penicillin itself wasn't developed for quite a long time. But um, yep, so he's got obviously a bit of medical knowledge as well from the future. He's using modern sort of uh, medicines here, but he does say that you know he's still in trouble and they need to go back to the village. Obviously, trying to get rid of them. I'm not sure if that's the 18th or 19th century. Might even be the twentieth. Oh, that's twentieth, but still. Um, but it's more modern than say ten. Well, yeah, it's a lot more modern, and a lot back then it was more injections and vaccines by liquid rather than in pill form. Mm. They weren't really in pill form for a very long time. Yeah. Then the monk uh, questions Elridge about the Vikings, um, and it was it one ship or two ship or whatever. So he's getting trying to get that knowledge. And then we see that the the monk has this sort of progress chart with all these sort of check boxes. So you can see that he's there to sort of change history. He's there to do a, a sort of a mission, a goal. He has this idea in mind of what he wants to do. So obviously that sort of mystery is now being sort of cleared up a little bit that actually he's there as not, the sort of just to observe history is actually there to change history there's a knock on the door the monk then goes to the door opens it nobody there he closed the door there's a knock again he Someone again knock, yep knock, yep basically <laughs> and so the monk then goes out like the amazon deliveries lately mm, yes wow something like that but i know they're a, getting good at it they seem to escape before i answer the door that's society we live in at the minute so what can you do anyway he goes out only for the doctor then to hold him up, go into the uh, monastery with the monk. He then tricks the monk with a stick, saying, I think he said it was a Winchester 73. Uh, Which is a gun. Well, yes. For all them people out there who don't know what a Winchester is. I think a Winchester a 73 is um, some sort of shotgun. I think it's a rifle, to be fair. Rifle, shotgun, same thing. But it's the same anyway. fucking shape. Vicky and Stephen uh, go back to the beach. Uh, they look over the cliff only to spot that the TARDIS is actually gone because of the tide. Well, yeah, tides do come in and out. And then Vicky... Can you leave a TARDIS on the beach? I think, it, to I think it was Vicky or Steve. I think it was Steve and said, well, maybe the Doctor returned and moved it. Only for then Vicky to say, well, if he's moved it, then he's gone. And he because, won't be coming back. Yep, because, again, like we were saying at the top of the sort of episode... Once he dematerializes, he doesn't know where it's going to go from yep, there. And that's back to that sort of... He doesn't know how to sort of operate the the ship to get to the places where well, he wants yeah, to get to. Well, yeah, because seems I was not even technically his in the first place, and he kind of nicked it. You know, that's the whole purpose, isn't it? Of the fact of the Doctor having the TARDIS is he stole it. Well, yeah. So then he he doesn't exactly have the instruction manual because the pure and simple fact he swiped it. No. They decide to sort of move off. That's like Nick and a bloody yacht and then thinking, oh, I don't know how to drive this. They then sort of stumble off and leave, only to stumble into a gun rocket launcher hiding in the sort of the well, sort of bushes. Well, I don't think that's a rocket launcher. It looks like a cross between a bazooka and a Gatling gun. Oh, yeah, a rocket launcher. It, Which it's is more a bit... like a, a sort of panzer 
Uh, I think it's called a Panzer. A Panzer rocket launcher. It looks like a cross between a Gatling gun and a bazooka. Well, and it's a gun that's going to blow up a ship. But they've got the these, end. like, um, you know, nuclear sort of bobby thingies. Mm. Yes, anyway. Vicky and Steven... Which you can't fire out of a Gatling. He could, but it probably blow Wouldn't up the fit. gun. Anyway, they go back to the, the monastery... The doctor is then questioning the, the monk, but there is a knock at the door. The doctor then sort of tries to sort of outsmart the, the monk here, and he ends up dressing like a monk um, to go to the door. They open the door, only for there to be some Vikings there who come inside. The yeah, doctor... the Vikings are kind of stupid. Mm, yeah, well. I thought, oh, what are we going to go and do? I'll hide in a monastery, really? I thought Vikings are all hard nuts who just used to not take no crap from no one. Yeah, well... Kill all in their path and Anyway, they, they stick the Doctor back into that cell again, which, you know, is not, as we know the viewers, isn't the, the most uh, wisest thing to do. But well, seeing Zoa's note, the lock doesn't work. Mm. They put um, a Viking guard on the door because they don't have the key to the door, so obviously stick a guard on it. The... <laughs> right, because that works for everyone. Mm. While the other, the other Viking, because I think there were just two Vikings, the other Viking goes and sort of... Uh, and tends... how many times has that worked for Buckingham Palace? Yeah, well. And how many times have people tried to break in there? Anyway, the other Viking then goes with the monk, who then knocks him out. Vicky and Stephen, they use the secret passage to get into the monastery. The guarding uh, Viking uh, goes into the cell only for the Doctor to not be there again. So we all think he's in the secret passage, but he's not. He's actually behind the door this time. He then knocks out the other Viking and the monk goes to the village. He then says to them, I want you to light some beacon fires on the beach because I've got some building materials for my monastery. Obviously, we know the viewer that's to bring in the other Viking ships. Um, but So they don't get to Humber. Yep. But the villagers are actually one step ahead because obviously the doctor has already told them about all this and they know that basically the monk is sort of uh, tricking them into doing it. Vicky and Stephen, they go into the cell. The monk then comes back. The doctor then holds up the monk and Vicky and Stephen then find a cable to a door. They go in and it's actually another TARDIS. So it's a nice little cliffhanger that as well that we know now that we know now that there are now two TARDISes so it sort of opens up the world a little bit more that actually there's more than just one doctor what's the word sort of uh, race is that the right word um, another person from his race um, they don't really use the word time lord yet. they don't use the word time lord I actually know when they actually first used the word time lord it's actually in patrick troughton's serial the war games that will be the very first time they used the word time lord but obviously looking back now we know that the monk is a time lord he has his own tardis which is uh mark Hoare. and uh look we're saying about the tardis uh, sort of being a police box or size and this one's a sort of sarcophagus and it's sort of blended into the uh, surroundings of the church if you notice with the door... It's not they, a church, it's a monastery. A monastery. All right, then. A place of religion, then, Becky. Well, it, no, because churches tend to be sort of Catholic or Church of England, and obviously that, that hasn't happened yet, because obviously that happens in, like, Tudor times and things like that. And when the Vatican actually becomes normal, 
And to be honest, that's not in Saxon times. But like we said about uh, the TARDIS size, they actually have to duck into the door because it's really low. So obviously when it materialises oh, right different sizes, me, when it materialises different sizes, obviously the door will then move to accommodate that size. I would say so, it'd be all right for me then, but you're not that much taller than me. Well, no, I'm not. So episode three, what do you think of episode three then? Again, I think the pacing's quite good. I think, you know, it's still sort of ramping up to the finale now. And again, I, I like still find the Vikings wusses. With this serial, I find... You know, I thought, you know, Viking Invasion, right, fair enough. Viking Invasion, I've seen better Viking Invasions than Horrible Histories. Well, that is, but... And they have singing! Again, it's a 60s budget, Becky. You can only have about four Vikings... And four sacks. And trust me, when like we have 20. a child who is completely obsessed with horrible histories, I know all the songs, unfortunately. I don't know any of that. So. Oh, lucky you. Anyway, yeah, good pacing, I think. it's it, it, To me, it's not filler. It's it's a very, I think, you know, we'll get into what the overall thoughts are, but I do really like this story. I think the story is really, really quite good. Episode four, the last one, because there's only four episodes, Checkmate. Um, inside the Monk's TARDIS, yeah, there's Steven. no chess in it. Well, no, but I think they're trying to say, like, because it's like a game of chess between the Doctor well, that's not, and the Monk. Because, one, there's no checkerboard. And two, the, you know, neither of them have got their own pieces. So I it's think... more of a case of, you know, the Doctor's playing sort of his own little game with the Time Meddler. And the Time Meddler's trying to play his own game with the Doctor, but the Doctor's too smart to actually fall for it. A few serials. It's it's not... I wouldn't say it's a game of chess or a game of wits. It's just one idiot thinking he can outsmart the Doctor, and it's never going to happen. A couple of serials go with Web Planet. We said about the title of the Web Planet, and you said, I think it's a metaphor. I'm going to use that again. I think Checkmate is a metaphor, Becky. Yeah, I know it's a metaphor. Yeah, but I know it's a metaphor. They're in the because TARDIS. checkmate normally means the um, defeated um, sort of prospect of an opponent in chess. Wow. Yeah, but the monk's the opponent. Yeah, it's obviously he's de- he thinks he's defeated the monk, but mm. because he well. marooned him. Anyway, they're in the they're in this TARDIS. They find some artifacts from different eras and different periods. Vicky then finds the monk's diary, and it sort of. Opens up a little bit more of what the monk's actually trying to do. He's gone through history. He's trying to change history. Not for the better, to be fair. The doctor calls him a time meddler. Um, and that the monk's saying that basically he's doing it for a bit of fun. You know, and, you know that he's changing history. It's just basically a bit of a laugh. Yeah, the doctor wants to see his TARDIS. So the monk then takes him. Uh, the monk and the doctor have this nice little back and forth sort of um sort of sparring a little bit with the sort of the dialogue. And I've got to admit, uh, I said this at the beginning, you know, Peter Butterworth and William Hartnell, they've got that little sort of twinkle in the eye, I thought, in this scene here. You can see that William Hartnell's got that sort of cheeky grin. You can see, I think, he's really enjoying this sort of acting alongside Peter Butterworth here. And you can see the same with Peter Butterworth to William Hartnell. I can see that they really, really kind of enjoyed this sort of... uh, it's, it's just really, really it's hard. Like it's like an just, admiration of two yeah, actors. Of... You can see it in the scene that, you know, they really were enjoying. And it was a nice little backwards and forward bouncing off each other as well. And it's just one of them scenes that I think is really, really good. And especially, you know, the casting of Peter Bartholworth as, as the meddling monk, I think is a, a really good casting as well. Yeah, I think they really did really, really well. 
the monk then takes the doctor into the TARDIS where Vicky and Stephen are. Obviously, they have a meet. They have this meeting up with the doctors the first time. Um, so there's a. Oh, I thought you were going to be waiting at the TARDIS sort of moment. The doctor then then gets told this is actually a Mark IV TARDIS, like we said. The monk's nicked or taken or however he acquired it has got a Mark IV, which we're to assume is a an, uh, an, uh, a newer version of the TARDIS than say the Doctor's. It was like Nino Nino Nino, mine's newer than yours. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit of a dig here from the monk as well, saying, "Well, what mark is yours?" sort of type thing. Uh, we find out that the tide wouldn't have washed uh, the TARDIS away. It would just stay there. Uh, again, well, yeah, the because defense if mechanism they, if, of the TARDIS. If, if they could actually materialise around rocks and stuff like that, you know, or in a rock or in a tomb, then they can mater- surely they'd be able to materialise under the sea. Well, that is well, that is it as well. So it's another little bit of a, a sort of staple of the Doctor Who is that the TARDIS has basically got that sort of defense mechanism and can't really be hurt or destroyed or anything like that. It's a nice little bit. Of, yeah, Daleks try to shoot it. Nice little bit of banter here between, like I said, the Doctor and the Monk again. That's sort of bouncing off each other. The Monk then decides, "I'm going to get out of here." He makes a run for it, only to run into the Vikings. The villagers then discuss the the monk's fires that he wants and says that he's probably a Viking spy. The crew then uh, are tied up by the Vikings. This is a really weird moment. I did actually say to you, Becky, is that you know you, they don't really go run into the Vikings or anything. They just appear tied up. And to be fair, they're not tied up for very long because they get out of yeah, the Yeah, but come quickly. on, they're tied up with really thin rope. They could get through that easily. The the monk with the Vikings end up on the uh the beach cliff face Even. who are then they are then attacked by the the villagers, it's a bit of a sort of fight and a brawl. The monk and the Vikings run for it. The the crew are untied by Edith because she comes up to the monastery. The doctor wants a paper and pen because he's going to leave the monk a, a nice little note. The Vikings are then killed um, because of the monk because he sort of tricks them. He says, "You go that you know that way," and I'll, he sort of stumbles off the other way, and there ends up there ends up killed. Apparently, there's a missing twelve seconds of footage here. I think I think it's here where they actually see them being stabbed properly, um, but that obviously is not in the archives. It's a bit funny, really, to have twelve seconds cut out of the episode and lost. Especially when all other all the other episodes you are there. You wouldn't have known it though, to be honest. No, it's not really pivotal to the story. You know, it's not like you know. You would think maybe the bit where they're tied up. There's like that little bit of a gap there that maybe that would have been missing. Yeah, but, but the thing it's, is, you know, they it's kind not. of caught them and everything. You kind of gathered that they were going to die. Anyway, the Doctor is in uh, the monk's TARDIS. He's sort of messing about with it. He ends up taking out this uh, bit of the TARDIS. Um, and he leaves that note for the monk, who then comes uh, back from the beach, um, only to sort of read this uh, note from the doctor, and him saying basically he's going to be staying there for quite a long while because he's taken out his dimensional circuit. My dear fellow, (laughs) I'm sure you will excuse me, but I didn't want to say goodbye, as you're obviously going to be very busy for some time. He's right there. Just in case you still have ideas about your master plan, I have taken precautions to stop your time meddling. (laughs) How could he stop a mark for? So, stranding the monk in 1066. Then, 
the crew are back. Yeah, because I doubt he could wire a new one being in the sack sometimes. uh, Maybe this might not be the end of the meddling monk. That's all I will say. The TARDIS and uh, the Doctor and his crew end up back at the TARDIS. Stephen's sort of happy to be... Yeah, but I thought that the only other person who had a TARDIS other than the Doctor was the Master. Well, there's the Master and the Rani, but... Well, the Rani's a quite long way, way, way off. So... But we'll get on to the Master in a minute. Just hold that thought as I just wrap up the story. Uh, Basically, the crew go back to the TARDIS. The TARDIS is obviously, surprise, surprise, still there. Stephen's happy to be uh, in the crew. And then they get in the TARDIS and leave. And then there's a a weird sort of uh, end credits where they sort of have Stephen, Vicky and the Doctor's faces sort of uh, superimposed over a starry background. They're proper creepy. And uh, that's the end of the episode. So... The next one will be Galaxy 4 in Season 3. So, quickly, The Monk. I think The Monk is kind of um, a pre, is it precursor to the Master character. That kind of backs and forwards somebody on the wavelength of the Doctor, you know, trying to outsmart the Doctor. That's kind of what the Master becomes. You can see that the thought, the, the thought of thread is there to be the Master. And obviously the master is time lord with the master. They haven't yet. He comes in with. Um, so who was that? Who was in the one with the column thing? Well, that will be the master, but that's later on. I think that the master comes in during John Pertwee's years. I, so. I thought we'd already watched one where there was like, it was disguised as a column. No, not yet. But anyway, what that did must you... have been what I say that you watched that. Yeah, my, that's a later on episode. I think it's more of a Tom Baker episode. I don't know. What did you think of the time meddler, Becky, now that we've gone through it? It was alright. It was pretty good. Nice little round off to the season, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, I quite like the time meddler. I think it's a really nice story. Um, it's, it's really good acting, good uh, guest star with Peter Butterworth. You know, but they actually got their history episode. facts right, so... Yeah, another little history one That's the one thing. There. The problem is, you know, I, don't, I, I quite like the history ones, but the problem is they've got to get the facts straight, and if they don't get the facts straight, then that's like, oh my God, hell breaks loose. But, you know, it's pre- I, I do quite enjoy the history ones. Again... But then saying that I'm a bit of a history buff, so... Again, four-episode serial, so it really did shine in the four-episode format. If this was, again, we keep saying this, if this was six... I really don't think they'd be able to fill it. It'd be really long-winded and dragged, but the four-episode pace is really, really good. And next season, uh, season three, there's a lot more three-episode, sorry, a lot more four-episode serials. So we're going to see the episode. I think the pace is going to be a lot, lot better. Now we'll take it to the independent person again, Mark Campbell's episode guide. So the Time Meddler's Verdict. This story marks a change in the program's philosophy. History can be altered, but Peter Butterworth aside, it's a pity the whole thing's so dull. Six out of ten. Harsh. It's very harsh. I didn't think it was dull at all. I, I actually was thought it was good. quite good, and I, I quite enjoyed it, actually. And seeing though, I have had a cold for the past two days and been absolutely exhausted through lack of sleep. To be honest, I thought it was quite refreshing to watch something that didn't drag. 
Yeah, I liked because it. if it was something that had dragged, that would have put me out for the count. Six out of ten, I don't. You know, really, you know, for his verdict. I've I've, then... I've not felt well before. You know, when we've watched like the six episode serial and things like that, and that's put me right out for the count. And you know, I have, and because I've ended up feeling unwell to the point where I've just fell asleep. But this one, I didn't fall asleep at all. So the verdict and the the rating. And when I'm ill, trust me, that's not hard hard to make me go to sleep. I don't think his rating um, reflects his verdict. Six out of ten. No, I don't. I think. I think it's a seven out of ten. I think think one higher, but that I would. I would say probably about a seven, seven point five. Yeah. You know, to be, I, I, I might even stretch to an eight. But the problem is, is that you know, I think given his comment. That wouldn't suggest a 6 out of 10. If I was going to comment saying something like that, I'd give it more of a lower score. Yeah. So, season 2 is now done and dusted. So, we're going into season 3. <gasps> Quickly, uh, we'll go through uh, what we thought of the season as a wrap-up. So, in season 2, you had the Planet of the Giants, which we thought wasn't that great. It was not a good introduction. Well, seeing as I expected actual like, giants and it weren't, there was just people being miniaturised. Not, not a very good story, that, in our opinion. We didn't really like that one. But Dalek's Invasion of Earth, I think they pulled it back slightly there. Yeah. It was a good episode. And yeah, it was obviously the second and best. And we got rid of Susan. Yeah, we got rid of Susan as well in that Whiny one. sod. So then we went into the rescue, which introduced a new companion, Vicky. Rescue, again, I said it served a purpose just to introduce us to Vicky. It was okay, but again, I thought it was quite low in the season's sort of episode list. Yeah, but that was kind of necessary for Barbara, really, because she did sort of like to play mum a bit to Susan, and it gave a sort of a purpose to try and look after someone else again. Yeah. Then we got the Romans, which uh, we thought, I think we both agree that was a quite nice little serial, that one. Yeah. Uh, the Web Planet, again, this one gets a lot of bad rap. But I actually really like this one. You know, for a six-episode uh, serial, I actually quite like this one. I had enough to keep me gripped through the six jellyfish. episodes. jellyfish. Yeah, I thought it was quite a good one. There's said, no way that is a spider. Whoever yeah. basically tried to say it's a spider is a lion. That is a jellyfish. Then we had our first uh, proper missing... Oh, well, we had the Reign of Terror, but this is another missing, which I say, another missing episodes one, the Crusade. Again, I don't think we were really. Yeah, but the fair problem is with the Reign of Terror, you could follow the story quite well, either through the animations, even though they were kind of creepy. But you know, but with the Crusade, it was really hard to follow. I don't think we really did this one justice because of the way that we viewed it. Um, so I always say that, that yeah, was a bit if they'd void. done animations for that it would have been fun yeah and hopefully they will animate it they are getting through the animations so well if one they do man- reanimate if they do like reanimate it then maybe we might have to go back and yeah, reassess we go, it we will go back and have a look at it so to me that one was a bit void to be fair so it wasn't fair to say it was crap or it was well, great it wasn't great you know. but to be honest you can't really judge that unless you watch the whole thing no so then we got the space museum again we thought it was another poor one in the story oh that was boring uh, in the series uh, yeah it wasn't that great then we got the chase which was the last one we did last week long-winded episode. yeah long-winded again two episodes didn't need to be in that series they could have cut them and put it down to four and then it would have been okay and then we're maybe even off. three then we rounded off with the time meddler where they really did pull it back and I think they ended the series yeah, on a high. Yeah, but the only thing that worries me now is with starting series three is 
you know, are they going to do the same with series one and two where they started the series quite badly and then pulled up again? Because, you know, they got it really good at the end of season one and then it just went downhill again. So season three, the dreaded season three, this was something that we've been sort of toying with. And to be fair, yes, I do want to enjoy Doctor Who and I do enjoy it. But I have been dreading getting to this point a little bit because this is when the missing episodes really, really kick in. The next episode, Galaxy 4, is... Um, yeah, but what Doctor has the most missing episodes? Well, it will be Patrick Troughton. But there's a lot of them animated, Becky. So it's not so bad as, say, this sort of this series. Like say, we will quickly go through Series 3 as a sort of, um, a sort of pre... What's the word? A sort of... Um, Index. No, as a sort of... Uh, a sort of prediction maybe or of what's to come or sort of whet your appetite as to what the next season's going to bring because no be spoilers well, no there's, there's no no spoilers but i think just about well, the not format not for me cuz i haven't seen them <laughs> i think just about the format in general i think because this is such a difficult season to sort of get through so season 3 has galaxy 4 that one is missing uh, three episodes out of four there's only one in the archives we have decided that because I did think, oh, we'll do, just skip the missing episodes and do a sort of summary. But at the end of the day, there'll be some things happen. Maybe there might be companions come in. Maybe they might leave. Maybe there's some big things that might happen. So we need to really do sort of go through them and try to follow them as best as we can. I don't think it's fair to give them a rating as such unless we feel confident in the rating. But... Any... Or more, well, it's not so much confident in the rating, it's more of confident that the story is enough that it can acquire a rating. But from, say, next week when season three will kick in, it will be, we're gonna, I'm going to do Galaxy 4 and Mission, uh, Mission to the Unknown. Mission to the Unknown is a standalone sort of episode. It doesn't have the Doctor in it, it doesn't have the crew in it, but it does set up... Um, a future serial in a couple so they've recreated this in modern times so some actors they actually did a black and white version of this um quite close to what the original was like so we'll probably watch that reconstruction i think that's the best way to watch it but that i think because next week's galaxy 4 is fairly missing i think it's you know we can do these two in one episode and then we'll have the myth makers that one i think you'll find is completely missing there's no episodes of that one then it will be the daleks master plan this is the big epic daleks master plan i think it's only right that we do do this one but this one is do a, do. Well, i knew you'd get a kick out that one becky but i think it's only fair that we do this one it's 12 episodes it's the longest serial they've ever done and it's still not been beaten. Um, it's going to be two uh, two episodes of the podcast because I don't think we can do twelve episodes in one podcast. It would be like oh, two God, hours no. long. So we're gonna I'm gonna split it. We'll watch the first. We know six. we all know like you like to talk, but I don't think we can go well, on that. We'll do long. the first six, digest them, um, because there'll be a lot of telly snaps as well to watch, or there might be some sort of semi-animated episodes. So we'll digest them and then do the next six afterward. And this was quite a big one. So this one really needs to be done. This is the one that personally I would like to see back in the archives, you know, as a full series. I think a lot of people feel that way as well. 
Then we have the uh, the massacre of Saint Bartholomew's Eve. I think you'll find all of that's missing as well. There's the Ark. That one actually is in the archives. So that will be where we go back to having a full serial. Then there's the Celestial to- Toy Maker. Again, I would like to see that one back. I said that one. There. That one has one episode, I think, and the rest of it's missing. They have the gunfighters, that's in the archives, so that'll be another one where we can watch the whole thing. I don't think I saw all of the Celestial Toymaker, I think I just saw what I was... Well, there's only one episode in the archive, Becky, so you couldn't have seen the whole thing. No, I mean the whole of that episode. Maybe not, but from what I can see from the episode, I actually quite like this one. Uh, Then there's the Savages, again, that one's missing in the archives. The War Machine is actually in the archives, and that's the last episode of season three, so... You know, and then it's only a couple more episodes and then we have to wave goodbye to William Hartnell. You know, that's kind of like the format of what we're going to be doing is that we will try our hardest to go through the missing episodes and sort of try to give an opinionated, uh, objective or whatever you want to call it, opinion of them episodes as best as we can. So you have to bear with us, you know, because like I say, it's, it's very hard to sort of watch a sort of still picture with audio. Um, we yeah, did struggle. We did struggle with the crusade, but we'll try and see how we can do it. I have seen Galaxy Four. I've seen um, a nice little um, reconstructed telly snaps with a little bit of animation in it, which looked actually quite good. So I think that's only right. Overall, season two mixed bag. It started off weak, but I think it ended strong, and you know, a bit a bit unlike season one, where I thought season one was actually averagely a really good season. You know, this one had its ups and downs. A bit of a, a longer podcast this week because I just wanted to round off the season. Just to say again, social medias are in the description as always. Uh, the Patreon link is there as well. We are actually going to do the special episode um, probably in the coming week, just in case anyone wants to join the Patreon and get access to that special episode. If not, Four weeks from this episode, that will be up on the channel as a, a sort of added bonus episode as well. Next week, like I said, Galaxy 4, Mission to the Unknown. Um, so you have to join us for that one. And also, um, say about the merchandise on Teesprings, that link will be in the description as well. And there's some really cool stuff over there. So I think we've gone on long enough about the time meddler. So it's time to wave goodbye to him for now, maybe. I think we'll leave it there, won't we, Becky? And uh, yep. you can go back to sniffing Vicks and uh, drinking lemon. I don't like lemon. Well, maybe that's why you've got a stuffy nose. And been sniffing, like sniffing all over the podcast. I haven't been sniffing. I've been trying to get move away from the mic. Thank you. So to all the listeners that have had to endure Becky sniffing, I apologise. At least I'm here. I could have said I weren't going to do it because I feel yeah. unwell. Well, you are you are a trooper, and oh, no. the listeners appreciate your effort, Becky. Next <laughs> week, when we go back to the podcast, Becky, you'll hopefully um, hopefully have kicked this cold, and we'll be back to. I hope so. Back to Becky's fun, jokey self. Hey, I'm still fun and jokey, even when I'm ill. Leave it out. Yeah. I'm fun and jokey all the time. Shut up. Yeah. Okay. And on that, on that, I think we'll say goodbye. You're asking so for it. I'll say goodbye. Say goodbye, Becky. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>